Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Hello and welcome once again, my friends, to the Saturday Report with me, Coach Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur pirate, and welcome to AWSM Radio, uh, an independent digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old-school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day. All we do is entertain, inspire, and inform. And my friends, I want you to be part of the show. I want you to be part of the just the action we have over here. So follow me on the Twitter, on the Rizzle, on the Instagram, and uh, Cameo as well at Colt S. Taylor. And if you have, by chance have missed past episodes, go to anchor.fm slash Colt S. Taylor and subscribe to the weekly podcast version of this show. All right, my friends, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. Before we get started, though, uh, I would like to note that uh, today is September 11th and is the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks in New York City. 20 years. It it's, uh, doesn't seem that long ago, but uh, uh, for some folks... Uh, Half a lifetime ago, a lot of people weren't even born or had conscious understanding of what the world was uh, then. Um, I myself was a bright-eyed, bushy redhead in college uh, when things went down on that Tuesday. I had left for class that started at 9 a.m. and just caught the opening breaking news of what was going on. And then went to class for an hour and a half. And, you know, this is 2001. There wasn't Twitter. Uh, you know, text messaging really wasn't a thing. Having a cell phone was kind of a, was a very hoity-toity thing to have. A lot of people didn't have cell phones. And the class that I was in didn't have a TV. Uh, also did not have, an, have a very useful internet connection. It was a brand new building they had just build out and they're having connectivity issues so sat in that room for 90 minutes between 9 a.m. and 10 30 a.m. and if you could take a look at the timeline a lot happened in those 90 minutes and I was none 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 wiser to the world I came out of class noticed that there was a bit of a vibe going on campus of people kind of rushing around a little quicker Went to a cafe where uh, I would meet uh, my friends every day for lunch, uh, one or two regularly, and then there was like 10 others that kind of came and went, and we just never left the cafe. Cafe had a big old box TV, this was before flat screens were very popular, and just sat there from 10.30 a.m. to about 4 p.m. just watching just watching. And uh, a lot of our friends who were seniors the previous year had graduated. I was hanging out in the theater department. A lot of them were in New York. So madly trying to call people. And uh, obviously phone calls into New York that day were not very successful. Uh, we were very lucky. No one knew anyone directly uh, impacted by the attacks. But it was a, it was a very strange day that uh, I remember every moment of that day. Uh, so, you know, we did that. Uh, we all went back to our apartments, continued to watch TV. There was a school-wide meeting. 
uh, at the student union where the president of the university asked all the students to come. Classes were canceled come noon, which for the university was very rare. They like this is the northwest Pennsylvania. They don't cancel for blizzards, ice storms, occasionally delay classes for a tornado. That's it. But cancel classes and um, had a big meeting. Uh, there with um, with with everyone, and the president of the university, I believe his name was Dr. Pogue, talked to the entire student body about what was going on and how people could help, and that you know no one. We had a very large foreign student uh, foreign student body there as well, and this is like Western Pennsylvania, not exactly the most tolerant folks out there. So. He made it pretty clear that you know everyone here is part of the student body here, and you know don't don't be causing trouble with other people because they may be from that area of the world. And we all went home and stayed up well after midnight watching everything. And then the next you know next few days were some classes were on, some classes were not. Uh, but I do remember it being very quiet, very quiet, like no planes in the air. So. Uh, yeah, so that was 20 years ago today. Um, it's still, still, still impactful to all of us here today as well. So, uh, if you have a moment today, um, this is broadcasting after 11 a.m., you know, take a few moments, think about it, whatnot, and, uh, yeah. So, anyways, just wanted to note that, uh, it's really a important historical event coincides with my Saturday report, but here we are. Keeping with the uh, somber news, uh, this week Michael K. Williams uh, passed away. He was found dead in his Brooklyn, Brooklyn home at the age of 54. Uh, authorities believe this was likely a drug overdose, unfortunately. And uh, authorities are trying to track down the origins of the narcotics found in his apartment. Michael K. Williams, best known for playing Omar... On the Wire also had a great role as Chucky White during uh, the, um, uh, Boardwalk Empire and was uh, recently uh, had got praise for his work on Lovecraft Country. Uh, very talented, immensely talented actor. Uh, real shame that he uh, has passed away this week. So uh, very surprising to many of my friends who, uh, well, just loved him on The Wire and you know, Boardwalk Empire and all the shows they did. Very talented, versatile actor who... Uh, uh, he has a, um, he had a notable scar on his face, uh, that he received while he was growing up, getting into a fight, and he, uh, used that scar, uh, to levy that, I mean, it's a significant scar, it was, it's a pretty impressive scar across his face, used that to get jobs, you know, turn what negative experience into a very positive one, and was a very successful actor, so... Once again, unfortunately, uh, actor Michael K. Williams passed away this week at the age of 54 of a suspected, unfortunately, a suspected overdose. Another passing this week of someone you probably did not know of, but uh, she played a very important role in the early days of TV comedy writing, Irma Kalish, a prolific and pioneering TV comedy writer, uh, passed away at the age of 96. 96. Uh, she was one of the first female uh, television and radio comedy writers starting way back in the 50s going into the 80s. Uh, she worked on a number of different uh, famous shows from back then, including My Favorite Martian, Gilligan's Island, All in the Family, The Bob Newhart Show. 
Uh, she got her start with the great Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin for their radio show, The Martin and Lewis Show. Followed them onto TV when they transitioned from radio to TV uh, after in the early 1950s. Uh, wrote for shows, uh, the Colgate Comedy Hour. Yes, Toothpaste used to sponsor comedy shows back in the day. Uh, she also wrote a series for My Three, My Three Sons, Family Affair, I Dream of Jeannie, Too Close for Comfort. Uh, she was, her and her husband were named the executive producer of Good Times. And uh, also wrote for uh, the Hogan family, Valerie O. Madeline, and I Dream of Jeannie. Uh, 15 years later, born in 1924, 1924, saw a large part of history. Look at that. I mean, that is, that is crazy. That, 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 that 94. Wow. Uh, also, also, uh, she, uh, were, well, her last thing she worked on was in 1998, uh, the Disney Channel's The Famous Jet Jackson, uh, also did, um, credits for, uh, the Patty Duke Show, The Brian Key Show, Gidget, That Girl, The Millionaire. A lot of these shows your your mother, fathers, and grandparents probably know better than you do. I don't really know all these shows myself. But uh, she was a very prolific uh, female comedy writer in a time that did not have a whole lot of female comedy writers. So she kind of blazed the trail for future writers. Uh, passed away this week at the age of 96. Whew, what a life. Next, friends, we go to France, where, unfortunately, I still have some more bad news for you. French winemakers are suffering the worst, the worst weather in decades, damaging grape crops, impacting wine production uh, due to frost and disease. Production of wines in France are uh, predicted to plunge by 29%. Almost a third of the wine production in France uh, will not be able to be made this year because of bad weather and diseases during the spring and the summer. Um, some areas have seen a 36% drop in wine production this year due to the bad weather and uh, kind of an early summer that caused uh, disease, diseases that affect these grape grapevines uh, to pop up a whole lot quicker. Uh, to quote the Agriculture Minister of France, he said, The spring frosts cut down a good part of the production, which will be historically low, below those of 1991 and 2017. Uh, says it's probably the greatest agricultural catastrophe in the beginning of the 21st century. However, however, they do not expect to have an impact on supply or prices because of previous good years have built up a large reserve of wine that should be able to take this impact without there being a notable notice of shortages or hiking up the prices. Uh, however, they do warn that because of climate change, summers and years like this might become more common and could impact wine production in France and Europe, which produced just a, just a lot of wine, a whole lot of wine. Uh, however, as climate changes, wine production may be possible in other areas that previously may not be. So they're kind of poking around of where they can shift some wine production out of areas that are no longer reliable into areas that are more reliable. But it's a very tri very tricky to do that. Very tricky to do that. So, friends and and mothers and fathers who like to have like a little nip nip at the end of the night, watch those prices. 
because uh, one or two more bad summers like this could start to jack up the uh, the wine the wine costs, which would be a terrible travesty to dinner parties and get-togethers everywhere. Now, what we do not have a shortage of are beets. Why? Because we brew our own beets in-house with my friend, DC, he has a show here, DC Live in Effect. He is our in-house DJ. And DC, he mixes it up every Friday night at 9 p.m., Sundays at 10 p.m. You do not want to miss out while he smashes it on the ones and twos, kicking the beats from his fruitful South Florida compound week in and week out. Make your uh, notifications so you don't, don't miss a show. Fridays at 9 p.m., Sundays at 10 p.m., DC, live, in effect, no aging required, don't need to cork him, he's right here on AWSM Radio. Moving to Africa, there was a uh, coup this week in the country of Guinea, uh, along the West African, well, the West African nation. Uh, President Alpha Conde was detained by troops after hours of heavy gunfire rung out around the presidential palace uh, in the capital. And uh, soon enough, the leaders of the rebellion took to the TV and uh, declared that the government was dissolved and the constitution had been suspended, that they were taking over the country in apparent coup d'etat. Um, right now, as it stands, things are pretty tense over there. It's not really known at the moment of how much widespread support that uh, these officers have. Uh, with that said, they still seem to be in charge a few days later, so, so far so good, I guess, for them. Uh, this is a, kind, of, kind of a turn of events for President uh, Alpha Conde. Uh, he was first elected in 2008 and was very popular in the country for promoting democracy and uh, adding stability to the country. Uh, however, uh, in the last few years, he... Eh, Kind of, his popularity kind of dropped. He said the term limits should not uh, apply to him. Uh, he had run for a third term, got the got the constitution changed so he could run for a third term, won, and uh, a lot of people were not very happy about that. Um, when the announcement of his uh, downfall and arrest were made, many people took to the streets cheering it. Uh, apparently, many political prisoners are being released this week. And uh, no, no, no word of where he is at the moment. But the military is uh, pretty much securing the country, removing governors, replacing them with commanders, and they are going to be forming a broad transitional government to back to democracy. Well, the coup has been widely uh, condemned by the East African nations, uh, West African nations. Uh, there, they have a uh, sort of a group out there that sort of get together and look after each other, uh, known as the uh, ECOWAS. Uh, the coup was condemned by the United Nations. Uh, uh, the State Department warned against violence and urged authorities to avoid extra-constitutional actions, uh, you know, you know executions, uh, that will, quote, only erode Guinea's prospects for peace, stability, and prosperity and uh, said that actions could limit the ability of the United States and other international partners to support the country. Uh, there were several hours of heavy downtown fighting between uh, rebellious troops and other troops, I guess, loyal to the president, but it does seem like he has been arrested. 
Uh, there's many videos and pictures of him being surrounded by troops, sort of just sitting there, um, just just being arrested. Now, pray ask yourself, you know, okay, how does this how does this impact me? Well, Guinea is one of the largest producers of bauxite, which is used to produce aluminum, which friends is used in cars and everything else that most most machines use a lot of aluminum. So this is a big producer of aluminum uh, throughout the world. Uh, even the terrible even the terrible car company Hyundai uses aluminum uh, to um, to to help to to build their cars to build their cars. So uh, no no word yet of like what kind of sanctions we imposed or how this will impact the aluminum supply around the world. This could drive up prices. Uh, you know, if these folks play their cards right and make aluminum more available or make it a little bit easier for people to get aluminum out of the country, I'm sure they could probably get some uh, recognition a whole lot quicker. But um, uh, if you're planning to travel there anytime soon, friends, you may want to put that off until things settle down just a wee bit. Just a wee bit. Moving from West Africa to East South America, Brazil is probably another place you don't want to visit uh, anytime soon. Uh, of course, they have a massive COVID-19 issue there, but uh, there could be a coup soon in Brazil. The president of Brazil, the bombastic president, uh, what's his name here? Uh, uh, Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro uh, is telling his supporters to take to the streets to take down the the Supreme Court, which won't let him govern, and uh, he's saying there's fake news, fake voting, and things are being stolen, and uh, people need to take back their country. Gosh, guy, where have I heard that before? Uh, so, people are comparing this a lot to Donald Trump uh, after the election. Uh, there have been massive rallies of supporters marching through the streets. Uh, even uh, the president, the, this president's sons sons have been seen coming to America and speaking at Trump rallies as well. So there's a bit of a connection there. And uh, what was interesting to me is Jason Miller, who is Donald Trump's, one of his confidants, currently runs a social media site called uh, Getter, G-E-T-T-R. I, I don't know what that means, but um, uh, uh, been working for Donald Trump for many, many years. Uh, also, also a bit of a bit of a scumbag. A bit of a scumbag. Uh, got, uh, while married, got someone else pregnant, and then uh, got someone else pregnant, and then tried to uh, allegedly, allegedly, uh, slip her an abortion pill in her drink. So, uh, he's, got, he's got a big old sack of scum right there. Anyways, he was detained in Brazil recently. This came out uh, by authorities and questioned at the airport about what exactly he was doing down there talking to uh, the president of Brazil and his sons by, by authorities. So there's a lot going on down there in Brazil. Holy moly. Um, it's uh, According to the president, he said to his supporters last week, I have three alternatives in the future. Being arrested, getting killed, or victory. Not exactly a unifying uh, message of peace and democracy. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apparently there are uh, polls showing he will lose in a landslide uh, if they were happening this week, which he says are fake polls, and that the only way he can lose is if 
it is being cheated and he is trying to uh, cast doubt into the electoral process in Brazil. And, um, well, you know, I mean, listen, it just it sounds like the overseas version of a sitcom that we saw here in the United States. It's pretty much happening in Brazil. Uh, over 150 heads of state uh, and lawmakers from 26 nations uh, issued a joint statement on Monday this week expressing concern that the rallies in Brazil had the potential to turn into an insurrection that could undermine the democracies, democracy in the largest nation in Latin America. Uh, doesn't seem like it's stopping anytime soon, um, so things are going to get there pretty, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty dramatic down there. Um, with the code, there's also a COVID-19 vaccine scandal that's going on down there. Uh, there is unemployment, hunger, inflation. Uh, almost 600,000 people have been killed by COVID-19. There is an intense drought uh, that has been causing hydroelectric stations to not generate as much power. There could be widespread power outages. It is just a hot, hot, hot mess down there. Whew, hot mess down there. And, uh, it just really doesn't seem like it's going well down there. Now, Brazil has had military dic dictatorships in the past, uh, which the president has spoke fondly of and saying, boy, wouldn't it be great if we could just go back there again. And things are, um, things are, things are getting messy down there. So friends, if, uh, you're, if your late fall travel plans include Guinea, then you, you, you may want to put that off. You may want to put that off for just a smidge, just a smidge. Moving on to Mexico, a 7.1 earthquake struck this week outside the tourist resort city of Acapulco, knocking out power to 1 million people in the area. Uh, they're also dealing with uh, Hurricane Katia, which was skimming up the west coast there. Um, it was a pretty powerful earthquake. Uh, last I checked, and this could have changed because... Um, they're still trying to figure out what's going on there. Uh, only one fatality so far, which for the size of the earthquake is pretty amazing, but authorities do expect uh, fatalities to be higher. Uh, lots of videos, because we live in that age of people running out into the streets in the middle of the night. Uh, they was It was felt as far away as Mexico City. And up, uh, up in skyscrapers, people could see uh, blue pulses of flashes flying up into the air. Uh, a lot of people associate this with a phenomenon called earthquake lights. Uh, it's not fully understood, but the basic concept is that um, before earthquakes and after earthquakes, the amount of energy that is released when earthquakes happen will charge the air, and you'll see flashes of light in the sky. Uh, one of the most well-documented uh, cases of this was, uh, oh boy, it might have been over 10 years ago at this point, there was there was a massive earthquake in China. Killed lots of people, unfortunately. But in the hours leading up to it, there are dozens of videos of people seeing this rainbow energy flying through the air, just wafting up from the ground and catching the sun and just all these brilliant colors. And a lot of people think those were the earthquake lights. Now, this is a concept that has been... Um, uh, concept, but this has been reported through history of people seeing lights in the sky at night before major earthquakes. So there's definitely a connection there. 
Uh, scientists don't know the full connection between it. Obviously, they can't set up, uh, you know, monitoring, monitoring equipment waiting for an earthquake because you don't really know when an earthquake's going to happen. But um, people were seeing this after the earthquake. However, um, these flashes people saw in Mexico also look a lot like transformers blowing, like electrical lines going down. So, um, they may not have been earthquake lights, but just transformers along the skyline popping off, exploding, and sending electricity up into the air. And that also would give a, uh, that would give quite a light show as well. Uh, there is one video that I'm sure you can track down by now. People have a hotel then you see a bunch of blue flashes of lights. The lights flicker on, flicker off, and then all the lights go off in the city. It's pitch black. Uh, shocking when it happens, but also it's an earthquake, so, you know, it it does happen. Uh, I myself have never been in an uh, earthquake. Uh, the only exception was in, I think, 2009, 2010. There was like a 5.3 earthquake in Virginia that was felt all the way up here. And literally, I I thought it was a truck driving by outside real, real too close to the house. Just everything sort of rumbled. And I was watching TV. And I was saying to someone, like, boy, that truck was really close. CNN, breaking news. And it was like, there was an earthquake in the Washington, D.C. area. Like, oh, so that's what it feels like. Interesting. But, uh, yep, they seem to be okay down there in Acapulco. To, so to all, to, my, to all my listeners in the Acapulco area, uh, I'm sure there's dozens, uh, hope you get back on your feet very quickly and uh, you didn't suffer too much damage from the 7.1 earthquake in Acapulco, Mexico. Well, you cannot set up devices, as I mentioned, to measure earthquakes in advance because you don't know when it's going to happen. What you can depend on every day is some great drive-time radio, a great drive-time radio show called The Rock Sessions, hosted by the beautiful, fantastic, amazing Rocks. Uh, she's going to make sure your evening commute home is fun. She has the hottest music on the charts and some other surprises in between. She will make it rock, rock style, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., I mean, the show is so amazing, I wouldn't be surprised if there are earthquake-related lights to when she does a show. The amount of energy she brings should likely cause flashes in the sky or transformers blowing. Either way, it's quite a show. So listen to The Rock Sessions, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., right here on AWSM Radio. Speaking of music, I have some music news for you. Rocks is not the... Doesn't hold the monopoly on music news. Uh, acclaimed band Radiohead, which, I mean, acclaimed, they have, they have a lot of fans. They are set to reissue Kid A and Amnesiac in a combined new album with uh, unreleased songs. Uh, the band revealed it's reissuing its two albums, Kid A and Amnesiac, in a, uh, in a, long, in a new album with unreleased songs. They tweeted, uh, on t they tweeted this week, we humbly submit Kid Amnesia to you. Um, so they will be they'll be coming out here on November fifth. Um, they say in the statement, "It's a coming of age for Kid A and Amnesiac, and is joined by a new album, Kid Amnesia, a memory palace of half-remembered, half-forgotten sessions and unreleased material 
All three coming out on November 5th. Uh, this marks the um, uh, 20th and 21st anniversary of the album. Uh, Kid A was released in 2000, and Amnesiac was released in 2001. And the other album, Kid Amnesia, uh, has songs that record between 1999 and 2000, but were never actually uh, released. Uh, during the announcement, they released a part of a never before, never, never heard, never before heard song. Ooh, that's hard to say. If you say the word. So, for all those Radiohead fans who, at this point, are probably pushing, you know, between 30, 40, and late 40s, uh, new album, new reissue of two previous albums coming out this November 5th. Um, I would say. You might have listened to that via the Napster back in the day, uh, illegally sharing files. Uh, today, you'd be more likely to download set albums across any number of different music purchasing platforms. Next up, Amazon is planning to open two cashierless Whole Foods stores uh, soon. One in Washington, D.C. and the other one near Sherman Oaks, uh, California. Uh, but they will not have cashiers or rows of checkouts, uh, rows of cashiers in the store. It'll be a cashierless store. Basically, uh, they will have cameras that will monitor what is taken off the shelf and then will uh, track you going around the store, taking what you need to take, and then charge items to your Amazon account when you leave the store. Now, obviously, if you do not have an Amazon account, it will they will not let you shop there and just walk away with with uh with uh with the stuff. They will also have self checkout lanes there that can take cash, gift cards, credit cards, etc. etc. Uh but if you have an Amazon account, probably an Amazon Prime account, you can walk in, pick things, and just walk right on out and it will be able to, to figure out what you got, how much it was, charge you, and then you are on your way. Uh, pretty amazing stuff. I've never, I haven't seen an example of how it actually works, but that's, uh, that's pretty amazing, if, if, if you think about it. Now, they say, they say that they're going to hire the same amount of people. So, even though there's going to be no cashiers there, those people who would be cashiers will be going around the store, helping people make their selections, and working in other areas of the, uh, of the grocery store. So, they, they say they're not going to be hiring less people. They're going to be hiring the, basically the same amount of people, but uh, will be in different roles. I mean, some people will have to help people at checkout who are doing the self-checkout, and other people will go around helping people find things. But uh, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Uh, so as you know, Amazon owns Whole Foods. Uh, Whole Foods has more than 500 grocery stores uh, across the country, and Amazon bought them about four years ago. And they are now applying that technology to the grocery stores. So, if it is successful and they're not, you know, not losing money and or charging people wrong stuff, you, I would not be surprised if you start to see this at other locations. Now, obviously, um, if the internet goes down, they probably won't be able to have the store open. Uh, so, if phone lines are down. Eh, that that might that might impact things. You might not be able to shop there. Uh, obviously, if the electricity is off, the, the store wouldn't be open in the first place. But uh, yeah, they would. It would need a a more than a dial-up connection in order to uh, 
in order to properly track what's going on. But I just can't imagine like how many cameras would have to be uh, placed to monitor everyone, see what they're doing or whatnot. There would have to be cameras everywhere, either up in the ceiling or up on the top of aisles, and you know, you check in with your phone and whatnot. It just it's mind-boggling to think the amount of technology that goes in behind that to make that work. But uh, if one comes around here, I would definitely check it out just for my own experience. So be on the lookout. If you're in the Washington, D.C. or Sherman Oaks, California area, tweet me. Let me know uh, how the experience was. We now go to space, uh, where if you remember from previous episodes, Jeff Bezos went to space, Richard Branson went to space. Now, part-time Bond villain Elon Musk, owner of Tesla, uh, he's not going to space, but his civilian space project from SpaceX will be sending an all-civilian crew into space on September 15th, which will be this week, this coming week, actually. Um, so Elon Musk's uh, SpaceX is already sending spaceships, spaceships to the um, uh, International Space Station, cargo ships, and returning astronauts back and forth, whatnot. So that, that, it's fairly advanced. They really get up there. and uh, But now they're doing a civilian flight. Uh, and unlike Branson... And Bezos would kind of just whip, whip in the sky and came back down within, you know, you know, 45 minutes, whatnot. This is going to be a three-day flight. They're going to orbit the Earth for three days, conduct some experiments. Um, they'll be collaborating with SpaceX, the Translation Research Institute for Space Health at Baylor College of Medicine, investigate and investigators at Will Cornell Me Me Medicine. Whew, that is a mouthful. So they're going to watch September 15th, go around the Earth three times, and then land in the Atlantic Ocean for retrieval. They're going to be launching from the NASA platform in Florida. The crew will consist of billionaire Shift for Payment CEO Jared Isaacman, childhood bone cancer survivor Haley Arkanu, Dr. Cyan Proctor, founder of Space Tool Inspire, and Chris Zembrowski, a retired officer of the U.S. Air Force. And, uh, yeah, so they'll be going on the Dragon Crew Capsule, which has ferried astronauts back and forth from the International Space Station, and it'll be launched on the Falcon 9 rocket, which I believe uh, comes back in, like, lands. It lands itself as well as a reusable rocket. So... Uh, probably covered by uh, major news outlets this week, and uh, I'll let you know how it goes next week if you find yourself uninterested or too busy that day to see what uh, another billionaire is doing in space. Now, if you do miss the space launch, it's probably because you've been waiting all day to listen to AWSM Radio Sports Show, Married to the Game, so it's completely reasonable. Uh, it airs every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so next Wednesday when they launch into space, you're probably too busy getting ready for this show. Uh, hosted by Brian, Joe, and Mac Daddy, they're going to bring you their insights, analytics, and expertise to all things games to the table. They might even talk about space. I don't know. And what kind of sports show would it be if there wasn't a little bit of trash talking in between said subjects? So tune in to catch up on the week of all things sports. Follow them on their Instagram page, uh, pages. Joe at Turn Up the Jets. Nick at the Mac Daddy Ryan Show. Brian at Bolstered underscore up underscore sports. The hardest one to say. And Married to the Game's own Instagram page, MTTG Radio. Married to the Game. So, let's do it. 
here on AWSM Radio, Wednesdays, Wednesdays at 9 p.m., Married to the Game. Moving on to music news, Cardi B has had a second child, so Cardi B Baby Watch is now over. She has a new baby boy uh, with uh, Offset, uh, which is a rapper behind I Like It. Um, that's the name of the song he's, I guess, famous for. Uh, this is their second child, uh, between the two, uh, when this is Offset's, uh, fifth child. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, congratulations to these two. She first shared the news of her pregnancy in June during a performance during the 2021 BET Awards. Uh, she generally, you know, um, announces her uh, pregnancy with a little bit of flair, um, uh, uh, Cardi announced her pregnancy with Culture by debuting her baby bump during appearance on Saturday Night Live during that time. And, uh, yep, that's her second child. Everyone is uh, healthy. Everyone is doing pretty good. And uh, I've seen pictures. It's a pretty cute little baby boy. Little cute baby boy. So congratulations to Cardi B and Offset for their second child. Uh, it is not easy being pregnant during the <laughs> COVID-19 but glad to hear that everyone is doing well and doing fine. I encourage you to go check out, check out Cardi B's new baby boy. No name yet. Cardi B, if you're listening, may I suggest Colt Sebastian B? No, Cardi B and Colt Sebastian B? C, CSB? Hold on. I, I think, I think it's very catchy, but you know, you know I'll, I'll, I'll just let you, I'll just, I'll just let you pick. I'll just let you pick your own name. But you know, if it's Colt, Colt, Cardi, I mean, I think it'd be a pretty good choice. Pretty good choice. And finally this week, another birth announcement. Twins! Twins were born uh, in the Madrid Zoo from two giant pandas. I guess I should have led with that, yes. Two twins from giant pandas. Uh, the fifth and sixth cubs born in the zoo from Hu Zhu Ba and Bing Zing, uh, who are on loan from China to the Madrid Zoo. Uh, the two babies are perfect health. Uh, the gender is not known yet. It's not very obvious when they are born, but uh, experts from the Chindu research base of giant panda breeding will be coming in there uh, soon to examine them and determine their sex. Um, the International Union for Conservation of Nature's Red List has giant pandas in the vulnerable category. Uh, their numbers are increasing from the brink of extinction, uh, but they are, there's an estimated 1,800 animals uh, in the world today, of which five to a thousand are mature. Um, this is not the first time baby pandas have been born in captivity, but it is amazingly difficult because they only have the ability to give birth, uh, not, it's like every five or seven years, I think. It's, it's very difficult. I know it's very, very difficult for giant pandas to have baby pandas. So, uh, good news, good news for the preservation of this, uh, particular species. So, good job of my fellow friends in Madrid for helping these pandas uh, have panda babies. And that, my friends, just about wraps up this week's Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. Thank you for joining me here today, and remember, you can find me on the Twitter, the Rizzle, the Instagram, the Cameo, at Colt S. Taylor. Uh, so please engage with me on there if, uh, you know, you'd want to, uh, you know, let me know if I'm doing a good job, or if I'm not, I, I like the attention one way or another. And if you happen to miss this show, you go to anchor.fm and catch all previous shows upload usually Sunday or Monday for your listening and podcasting uh, enjoyment. So, my friends, I hope you have a delightfully fantastic weekend. 
full of joy and at the very least not a whole lot of stress. And uh, if you're bored, check out ColtSebastianTaylor.com. Until next time, my fantastic friends, I am, of course, as always, your friend, Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.